Hello, welcome to Adapt, episode 14. My name is Ryan Christofel, and I'm joined by my co-host Federico Vitici. How are you today, Federico? Hello, Ryan. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, it is Thanksgiving morning that we are publishing this episode, which I suppose means that we should talk about maybe what we're thankful for. Uh, is what 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 iPad related bit of uh, gratitude do you have to share mm. today, Federico? Okay. Uh, well, I mean, besides being thankful that the iPad exists, like as a as a device. Um, I'm grateful for, let me see, the smart keyboard folio, uh, surprisingly. That is okay. very surprising. You it's, have- it's a very, uh, you know, I did a, did a 180 with this, with this opinion of mine. Um, I used to profoundly dislike the smart keyboard in years past. I, it just wasn't for me. Um, I didn't like the feel of the keys. I didn't like the fact that it wasn't backlit. Um, and I just prefer typing with the Magic Keyboard or with an external keyboard. But it was with the latest iPad Pros, and especially after a few months. Uh, so last year, I got an iPad Pro in November. Um, and for the first three, four months, maybe, I continued not liking the Smart Keyboard Folio. And then it was around, I think it was in the spring, or uh, and especially in the summer, as I was working on my iOS and iPadOS 13 review, that the smart keyboard folio just clicked for me. Um, I use it all the time. Of course, I I modified it uh, with my kickstand method uh, setup. Um, I wrote about this previously on Mac Stories, but basically there's a, a set of metal kickstands that are designed for smartphones that I attached to the back of the smart keyboard folio that allowed me to prop up the iPad at different angles. And I use it all the time. It's covered in stickers. Um, that you know, stickers give it a bit of a personal touch. And I, I just love the fact that it's so portable and it's always ready to use. And it doesn't require uh, to think about the battery, to think about Bluetooth pairing. It's immediate. It's it's so user friendly. You don't need to think about it. You just open the iPad and type. And when you're done, you close it. And it's thin enough. And it's portable. And it's lightweight. Um, so I become one of those people that actually I actually like the smart keyboard folio and I use it all the time and I fear the day when this one will die on me because of intense usage because that'll mean I mean I can get a new one but that'll mean that all my stickers will uh, will have to go uh, alongside the smart keyboard folio whenever it breaks if it breaks I hope it doesn't but you know maybe it'll happen yeah, I love the smart keyboard folio. I've used a smart keyboard since the first iPad Pro, and my one drawback, I think they they did some things that make the folio version uh, even better, but the one thing that I have an issue with is because it now covers both the front and the back, for some reason, I don't know where I'm laying down my iPad that is causing this to happen, but I've noticed that it's kind of got some, like, not so great looking stains on it from maybe like it sat in liquid a little bit or um i I don't even know how it happens but i look at it now and i'm like oh that doesn't look great and i i tried to clean it a little bit a while back um and that didn't go well and if anyone has recommendations on how to clean the smart keyboard folio the the exterior please let me know i'd I'd be you know really eager to hear that but uh, other than that i i agree that's it it's a great keyboard but that's why you use stickers to cover the things. I suppose so. And yeah, <laughs> so, that, that would know, do it. Yeah, that, that's exact. I had the exact same problem. Like, I'm pretty sure that I never placed my iPad on top of like liquids or like in on, on my kitchen table as we were cooking. Like, I, I never did that. Still, uh, there were some pretty annoying stains, and you know, on the on the on the front of the cover of the smart keyboard folio so i was like you know i'm just gonna cover this up with stickers and problem solved and now it's even more fun um what are you grateful for ryan in terms of uh ipad stuff well one thing is something that we're going to talk about today which is the changes that apple has made that enables the Mm. ipad home screen to be a lot more powerful than before but since i'm going to talk about that anyways i think the one thing that i'll mention is the improvements to slide over this year so that you can now keep as many apps as you want and slide over and kind of switch between them really easily that has made slide over a lot more useful to me than it was before 
I really struggled in the past um, with figuring out what's the one app that I want to keep there. And then I guess kind of in combination with the fact that multi-window exists now, I, I would have an issue where I would keep one app in slide over, but then sometimes, you know, I would want to use it not in slide over. I'd want to use it in full screen or a split view or something. And that would mess up the slide over configuration I had. Whereas now with multi-window, you can have one dedicated, let's say, notes window in slide over, and then have other notes windows that you use in full screen or in split view. And so the combination of those two things, um, obviously I, I appreciate multi-window for a variety of other reasons, but especially the ability to have multiple windows, which means that whatever you keep in slide over can stay in slide over. You don't have to constantly kind of add it back to your slide over setup and that you can switch between multiple apps at once. Um, that that has been really nice. I've used that a lot these last several months. So so I, I'd say that's what I'm thankful for. Yeah, slide over is great. I love it. Uh, I Something that I like, as soon as I saw it in June at WWDC, I knew that I was going to use that a bunch. And especially when you're doing a lot of research, um, you need to copy and paste links back and forth or transfer images or screenshots or documents between different apps. Sometimes I find myself like having notes uh, and Safari in Slideover and in Split View and another Safari window in Slideover and I can just shuffle back and forth between different web pages. It's, it's great. I love it. Yeah. So today we are going to talk about a couple different things. We've finished our shortcut series, which means we can move on to other topics. And hmm. the topic that we're going to mention, which I already hinted at, is the home screen. Uh, I wrote an article recently for Mac Stories called My Modern iPad Home Screen, uh, Apps, Widgets, Files, Folders, and Shortcuts. And I wrote that because I feel like 2019 is the perfect time. Right now is the best time to think through a new home screen setup for the iPad. Because for the longest time, there wasn't a whole lot you could do on the home screen. Uh, the iPad's home screen has basically been unchanged since iOS 4 when the iPad first came out, which is pretty incredible. There's, you know, the new dock that we got a couple years ago, but besides that, it stayed pretty much the same. And as a result, any kind of changes that you wanted to do um, weren't, you know, couldn't be that radical, couldn't be that mm. that meaningful. And even when the new dock did come out, a couple of years ago with iOS 11, it sort of made the rest of the home screen irrelevant and insignificant, I think. Um, there are a number of people when you were able to all of a sudden put you know, 15 apps in your dock and you could put a folder there and then the entire new multitasking system of iOS 11 depended on drag and drop, which was best suited for apps that are in the dock. Because of all that, some people would put all their apps in the dock uh, using a folder or two to make that happen. And then they would keep no apps at all on the home screen and just kind of have this empty home screen, which is fine. Um, I mean, I don't blame people for that because there really wasn't that much you could do with the home screen that was, you know, valuable. Um, I didn't do that myself, but, uh, but there really wasn't a lot of flexibility there until this year. And so this year, Apple did... You know, on paper, it maybe wasn't that much, but as I've kind of played around with things, I think that what they did to open new possibilities for the iPad home screen really offers a lot of flexibility for people to make the home screen what they need it to be. And so there are a few key changes in iPadOS this year. One is that, as we've talked about before, you can now pin widgets to the home screen. So along the left side of the screen, you can put several widgets that stay on screen at all times next to your grid of app icons. And so depending on the widget sizes of what you use, I know, uh, I think the last time we talked, you were using a shortcuts widget as one of your pinned widgets, which has a whole bunch yeah. of shortcuts in it. So it takes up a lot of space. So you can't fit a yes. whole lot else there. Um, for myself, I keep all of my home screen widgets in the compact view so they don't take up as much space and you can fit four widgets on screen at a time, which I've really been enjoying. Um, and so I'll get into the specifics of what those widgets are in a minute, but 
The fact that you could keep widgets on the home screen is really nice. Uh, another change is that in addition to all the extra space that's taken up now going to widgets, Apple still was able to add extra icon slots. Mm-hmm. I know when the first iPad Pro came out in 2015 with this huge screen, um, there was some question about why Apple wasn't using that screen size better when it came to the home screen. Right. Because you'd have these big icons with a ton of spacing between them. And the 12.9-inch iPad Pro couldn't fit any more icons on screen than the iPad Mini could. Um, They had the exact same layout. and, And Apple changed that this year. So now you can keep the old setup if you want. I'm not sure why many people would want to. But the the new option, which is on by default enables putting 30 icons on screen in addition to widgets. Um, And it just opens up a lot more possibilities. So Mm -hmm. those two things combined with something that wasn't really advertised, I don't think, but Apple has changed the way that home screen shortcuts run. Uh, It used to be that if you added a shortcut to the home screen, which you, you have been able to do for a long time now, I believe back even into the workflow days, you could do that, but then when you ran that shortcut, it would basically open Safari because it was, you know, running this link uh, kind of like the, you know, any other website that you might add to the home screen from Safari. It had to open Safari first, and then it would bounce to shortcuts and run the shortcut. And if you're like me and you try to keep your Safari tabs to a minimum, um, it was really annoying to go into Safari and find these blank tabs after the fact. And so that always prevented me from running shortcuts from the home screen. And so I just never really got into it because I didn't like the way they worked. Now, home screen shortcuts will open the shortcuts app directly, which is a great change. And so that happened this year. Um, As a result, you and Sylvia released the Mac Story Shortcuts icons, which provided hundreds of new glyphs for creating home screen shortcut icons. And so all of these different changes, all these different events that have taken place this year led me to really take some time to evaluate how can I best optimize my home screen for my needs? How can I take advantage of all these new things that Apple has done um, how can I, you know, take shortcuts and implement them into my home screen really for the first time? And uh, and the thing that really made that happen is on episode 12 of Adapt, uh, listeners will remember that you were challenged to find a way to launch files and folders in the Files app from the home screen. And you found a solution to that using shortcuts and scriptable. Right. And so all of these things have converged to to really show me that I needed to do something with my home screen. And uh, and so I did. I decided I would write an article about it and experiment with and figure out, you know, what the best home screen for me at this point in my life would be. And I am really, really happy with the results. Okay, so I, I, I'm going to have a lot of questions for you, but I just wanted to say that I... I really agree with what you said about just how much better running shortcuts on the home screen is in iOS 13. And if you think that it's a minor change, if it sounds like a minor change, like, oh, big deal, like it doesn't launch uh, a web view in the middle anymore, um, I really urge you to reconsider and actually check it out again because the difference is quite substantial. The fact that you can tap an icon on your home screen and it launches the shortcuts app directly and it runs the shortcut after a fraction of a second is a huge improvement over the way that that it used to be. And it's so much more reliable. It's so much faster. And what's even great is that something that I noticed, if you're reusing shortcuts, right, and you're maybe editing a shortcut, or maybe you left um, the output of a previous shortcut open, like a quick look preview, uh, so something in the middle of the screen uh, as you're using shortcuts, and you forget about it. You exit shortcut and you run an icon. Uh, you run a shortcut from the home screen by tapping an icon. When you do that, it'll launch the shortcuts app. It'll exit whatever you, you were doing before for you. 
and it'll still run your shortcut that you launched from the home screen. So the system is super reliable. It takes care of closing any previous shortcut editor windows or any quick look previews, any outputs, any alerts that you may, may have left in the middle of the screen. It's so great. I love it. And that's why we did the icons because I'm using it so much. Uh, I, I really wanted to have a custom set of icons. Uh, but Ryan, please do get into the details of your home screen and especially like the whole, <laughs> I have so many questions about your organizations and, and the colors. Like you have a thing for colors that I need to understand. P please, please explain. Okay. So I'm not going to get too much into the details of all the specific apps that I have here. Uh, you're going to see in the show notes and as the artwork for this chapter, my home screen image that you can look at. And Federico, if you have questions about specific apps, feel free to ask them. But I more want to talk about the organization method and kind of why I have things set up the way that I do. So I will start with my doc. Uh, for me, the doc is the place for obviously apps that I use the most frequently. But beyond that, it's also apps that I use most frequently in split view or in slide over. Uh, there are certain apps on the home screen that aren't in my dock, but are just kind of in the main grid of icons that I use a lot, uh, in some cases as often as apps that are in the dock, but I don't ever use them in split view. So for example, I have uh, the Gmail app on my home screen. Um, I'm not a fan of the app, but I kind of have to use it for a part of my work, and so I do. Uh, it doesn't support split view, so I couldn't use it uh, in split view even if I wanted to, which I desperately do. Uh, YouTube is another app. Uh, there seems to be a theme with Google Apps here, but uh, YouTube does actually support split view, so that's good. I just never really uh, use it in split view, so it's on my home screen rather than in my dock. So all the apps in my dock are ones I open usually many times a day. Uh, it's not just like once a day, it's, it's many times every day and that I regularly, I'm sorry, regularly use in split view or in slide over. Uh, I do have one folder in the dock, which we've talked a little bit in the past about folders in the dock. And for me, uh, when Apple first kind of upgraded the dock in iOS 11, I had a folder there for a little bit and then it bugged me because whenever I would grab an app out of the folder to add to, let's say, a split view configuration, it, it frustrated me that the folder wouldn't automatically dismiss itself. So I'd have to grab the app, drag it out, and then tap on the screen to dismiss the folder, and then put the app into the split view. Well, apparently, you know, unbeknownst to me, Apple fixed that bug during the course of the iOS 11 beta cycle. I didn't know that for years until you told me on this very podcast. <laughs> and uh, so I was not using a folder in my doc for the longest time. And it was fine. You know, I, I, it's not that important to me to have one now. But now that I know that things don't work that way, and then now that I know that Apple has fixed another bug in the iPadOS 13 beta, which caused the same issue, now in 13.2, everything's working the way it should. If you have a folder in your dock, you start dragging an app out of it, then the folder will be dismissed automatically. It's great. And so I have a number of apps, looks like 11 different apps in that one folder, which kind of just fit into apps that I don't use as often as the other ones in the dock, but I do use them regularly. And especially I use them in split view or slide over regularly. Otherwise, I think the apps in my dock are mostly... Um, you know, common. Uh, I've got lots of Apple apps, you know, photos, reminders, calendar, Safari, files, mail, a lot of Apple apps in the dock. Uh, one app that lots of listeners may not be familiar with is called Morning Reader. Uh, I use that app mm. to keep track of tech news. And it's an extremely simple app, but one that I would be very sad if it ever went away. Uh, Essentially, and it, it was also last updated last year. So, yeah, like, it, don't it, you feel uncomfortable about the fact that it's so rarely updated? Not really, because it doesn't really need updates. I mean, it mm. it, it still works, and it uh, I believe it supports all modern iPad screen sizes. Now that now that I think about it, I'll have to double check that. But 
Um, but for what it does, it doesn't need much development. Um, a year ago, you know, it's not bad. If it goes three years without an update, that would probably be a problem. But uh, what the app does is it gives you on a single screen a list of 10 articles, 10 links. Uh, five of them are what it calls top stories. So what are some of the most popular tech-related articles, websites at this moment in time? And it's updated constantly. And then the other five are, um, I believe it calls it just trending stories. So, you know, stories that are starting to gain a little traction. They may not be, you know, so widely viewed that they're in the top stories section yet, but these are things that you may want to keep an eye on. So I use Morning Reader just to really glance at what's going on related to tech. What are the stories that are that are happening right now that I may be interested in? Um, if you tap on one of the stories, it just opens it in Safari. That's all it does. So mm. It's extremely simple, but it's way it's way more appealing to me that level of simplicity than dealing with, let's say, a full RSS system. Uh, I don't use RSS, um, which I know for maybe many of our listeners that that sounds um, yeah yeah <laughs> interesting. It sounds interesting. Uh, to say the least. Yeah. So anyways, but Morning Reader uh, serves my needs really well. And then that in combination with seeing kind of what news breaks on Twitter. Uh, so I haven't seen the need for RSS. But otherwise, mm. I think the apps in my Docker are, are mostly, you know, uh, self-explanatory. Uh, mm -hmm. I want to move from there to the widgets, which uh, I mentioned earlier, I have four on screen. And I've talked about one or mm. two of them in the past. There's the up next widget which is something that Apple makes, which features content from calendar, from reminders, uh, even from the clock app and the alarms that you have set. And so I like to have that there at the top of my widgets just to really make sure I don't forget something that's coming up soon. Normally, I have a pretty good idea of what my day is going to look like, but keeping up next there in the top left corner of my screen helps ensure that if there's something maybe out of the ordinary in my schedule, uh, maybe a meeting that isn't a regular meeting for me or some due date that's coming up in reminders, uh, up next will show me what the next thing that I need to work on is. So I really value that widget. Um, timery is there as well, which is where I start and stop timers for toggle time tracking. It also shows mm. me uh, how long my current timer has been running. So that's great. Uh, world clock widget. Uh, you can set up different uh, locations around the world and see what the time is in those different time zones. So I have uh, a variety of locations. One is for California. Uh, one is for Chicago, where our colleague John lives. Mm. Uh, I have the New York time as well, just as a reference, uh, since I live in New York. And then Rome, which is there because of you, Federico like to mm -hmm. yeah especially as we're coordinating different things such as publishing things on Mac stories or times to record this podcast it's good to stay on top of what time it is in Rome and then finally the last widget i keep on my home screen is carrot weather which is a fantastic weather app uh, i love it uh, and the widget you can customize with a variety of options so uh, it's great that for me i have it set up to where I can see the actual temperature, the feels like temperature, uh, wind, precipitation, the high and low for the day, and the forecast for the remainder of the day. So a lot of information in a small space, which is really great. Mm. Mm. Your widgets look good. Uh, I have a similar setup. I have a work clock. I have timery. I have reminders. I don't have up next, uh, mostly because I don't want to see my calendar events in there. I am considering, though, Maybe I'll play around with this idea for during the holidays. Um, having a single tall widget in there, like having a single shortcuts widget with a bunch of shortcuts that uh, show me information within the widget screen or that act as additional launchers. Um, so maybe things like connecting to my home pods or connecting to my AirPods, um, showing me a list of uh, work reminders or personal reminders. 
So the idea of instead of navigating back and forth between home screen pages, because some of these commands I do keep on the second page of my home screen, maybe I could try going all in on the shortcuts widget, having a single tall widget with like 30, 40 shortcuts in there. It'd be interesting to have like a, a full palette of commands on the left side of the home screen. Something that I'm, that I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking about it. I still haven't, I still haven't actually tested the setup, but I'm, I, I'm imagining what it will look like in my head. And I'm, I think I want to, you know, maybe over a weekend, like try and understand which shortcuts I could put in there. Yeah, and this is a good time of year to to think about these things, which is why yes. you know we we wanted to talk about this today. Is as life slows down a little bit, as there's a little more time off for oh, lots of people it's around perfect. the holidays. Yeah, it's a good time you to can, think about can. what what you want your iPad to, you know, how you want it to be set up for the year ahead. So exactly, you can sit down with your iPad, uh, maybe catch up on a few Mac Stories articles, maybe finish reading my iOS review that's <laughs> still in your queue. And listen to this episode and reorganize your iPad home screen. That's perfect for the Thanksgiving break. Sounds very relaxing. So, Yes. Uh, moving along to my grid of icons. I really okay. wanted to... Uh, there's a few things here. I really wanted to keep it to a single page, which I had never done before. And mm. I was able to do that because I can fit 30 icons on there. And so that's great. Um, originally I was actually going to leave the bottom row empty as well because I wanted to leave that free for any apps that I'm testing. Um, I, you know, as part of my work for Mac stories, uh, and for adapt, I'm constantly installing apps temporarily to try them out, to see if they're worth, you know, writing about doing a full review. And so I was going to leave that bottom row empty just for that purpose so that I'd see those apps and I'd be reminded that I need to use them more often. Um, but I discovered that the way iPadOS works is that even if you have free spots on the first page of your home screen, and that's your only page, new apps are still installed on a second page for some reason. Oh, no. Why? I don't understand it. It it really makes no sense to me. And so because of that, I was like, okay, well, since, you know, the the reason for keeping a row empty uh, is no longer valid, I went ahead and filled up the whole thing. And now... Whenever I do install other apps, the the one thing that kind of is helpful is, you know, with a single page, you don't get any page indicator at the bottom of the screen. So the little dots that tell you how many pages you have, um, they're just not there if you have a single page. And so whenever I install a new app to test it, I do see the little dots at the bottom, which is kind of a reminder, oh, there's some apps living on the second page you need to check out. That's fine. But anyways... I wanted it to be a single page, and I really enjoy the fact that it is. Um, as far as my organization, which it sounds like you're a little confused, or I, I've always enjoyed organizing things by color. So okay, it's, it's, so that's just something that you do. yeah. It's not just apps. I mean, I've done that with books for many years. Um, I used to be really into collecting like movies. Uh, I had a really sizable DVD collection at one point, and I would organize them on shelves by color as much as possible. And so, not even by series. Like, well, if you, okay. What if you have multiple yeah. Harry Potter movies? So yeah. So there's there's a tier of you know obviously. Okay. Oh, I see. <laughs> obviously, things that are in the same series have to stay together, right? You, you've you've got to keep them together. But then beyond that, color is kind of the next most important thing. And then, you know, for me, as it comes to the home screen, uh, color is top priority. And then second is theme. And so I, I definitely try to put similar colored apps together. And then if possible, I then try to put similar themed apps or icons, in the case of shortcut icons, together so that they are close to each other and it makes a little bit of sense. Um, you know, after I published my article on Mac Stories about my home screen, um, someone wrote in on Twitter saying, you know, doesn't it make it harder to find the app you're looking for when all the same colors are together? And, you know, maybe for some people that that would be the case. Uh, for me, it's actually the opposite. If I had random colors kind of scattered across the whole screen, then mm. it would be hard to remember, you know, exactly where to where to look to find the app I'm looking for. Cause like 
you know, podcasts, for example, Apple Podcasts is a purple icon. If I had purple icons in four different corners of the screen, then I couldn't immediately see purple and know where to go. Whereas now I know that the podcast app icon is purple. And so mm. I just look to the purple area of my screen and I can see it really easily. So, and you don't even struggle with the uh, so from the top, the fourth and the fifth row, those like that light purple and that light blue are very similar to each other. Yeah, they are. So what I decided to do when it comes to like I'm assuming that you're not a colorblind person. <laughs> I, I'm not. Yeah. So mm. I yeah, if I had issues at all with colorblindness, then this probably wouldn't work. I would need a little yeah. more distinction. Yeah. But uh, when I was building my home screen shortcuts, I actually, um, shortcuts gives you a limited number of color options that you can use. And so I, at the very beginning, I installed a home screen shortcut in every single color that it enables you oh to try. Um, and I did this because I wanted to see what were the best colors uh, that I wanted to use and how did they work together right? Like it's, it's not just, oh, this color looks great. It's also how does this color work with other colors? Do, do they look good together? Do they clash too much? And uh, so it, it's, I don't so these think are it, the best colors. That, that's what you're saying. For, for me. Yes. The, for me. Okay. The, the, yeah. It, it's not, it's not like I have to sort colors this way. Right. I just enjoy it. Right. It, it is Ooh, more okay. pleasing to me to look at my home screen and see the colors all together and i don't know it i i really like it so um yeah with the home screen shortcuts in particular i ended up using three different shades of kind of blue and purple um which complement each other and and look good together i think but also have a little bit of distinction um mm. so for example my fourth row has what i call action shortcuts which it's shortcuts that do a specific action um, and there are two of them that have to do with time or my schedule. And then the other three have to do with uh, audio playback. So mm -hmm. playing um, particular music or playing, uh, let's say, sending whatever is playing on my iPad currently, that sending that stream to my HomePod uh, or playing or pausing the HomePod. Uh, those are all the shortcuts that I set up. And so I have very slightly different shades of color to distinguish between the audio playback shortcuts and the time and schedule related shortcuts. And then in the fifth row, uh, that entire row, besides a folder that's there, all the shortcuts have to do with files and folders. And so I made all of those a single color to kind of be a signal to me that they all belong in the same category. So uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I enjoy grouping them by color. I think it looks nice. It is easier for me to find things that way. I could see where for some people that may not be the case, but for me it's helpful. And so that's kind of how I've set things up. Um, I have a couple of folders on the home screen. Uh, mainly if an app is in a folder, I'm probably going to launch it from search. Okay, so, so that was one of my questions. Yeah, do you do use search. I okay. do, yeah. If, if an app is not in my dock on my home screen, then I almost always use search to launch it. Uh, that's not the case on my iPhone. I use kind of the, the second screen of my iPhone and some of the app center folders there. But on my iPad, uh, pretty much it's search every time, mainly because that's the easiest way to add apps to split view or slide over uh, is to use search rather than, you know, going to the home screen, opening a folder, dragging it out from there. So that's kind of how I've designed things. Um, I did use the Mac Story shortcuts icons for my home screen icons because some of the things that I wanted to, you know, have icons for, uh, Shortcuts doesn't provide. There are, there are a fair amount of glyphs available there, but like my HomePod-related um, actions that I use home screen shortcuts for, you know, it's nice to be able to use a HomePod image for those things so that I know really mm -hmm. easily at a glance what that action, uh, what that icon is going to do. So yeah, um, this, is, this is my home screen. Um, People can kind of read the article if they want to see more specifics about different apps. Again, if you have questions, Federico, I'd be happy to answer them. But, but I've been really happy with, with how it's been going since I set this up. It took a fair amount of time. And that's, that's one thing that 
you know, like we've already said, it, it's good to do it when life is a little slower, you have a little more free time. Um, but it, it can be frustrating, I suppose, that you really need to put some thought into this. Um, and when it comes to, say, creating uh, shortcuts uh, for your home screen, uh, especially like if you're going to do files and folders like I have, there's a few extra steps involved in that. It can be um, a little taxing, but ultimately, I think it's worthwhile. And uh, I, I definitely recommend people kind of take the time to rethink what they want their home screens to be. Because for me, you know, ultimately what I concluded is that now my home screen is like a workspace. It, it has all the different tools that I need, that I want. Um, it's got a variety of different types of content, but, but it puts things right there um, where I need them at all times and makes everything easy to access. And it, and it works well for me. Um, diff- mm-hmm. Different people have different needs, but that's kind of the great thing about the flexibility of what Apple's built is that you can, you can set things up for your needs and uh, takes a little time, but I think it's worth it. My only question, so you answered a bunch of them already. My only extra question would be, how often do you change wallpapers? And do you keep different wallpapers? I mean, at this point, it sounds absurd, but maybe you're doing it. Like, do you switch wallpapers when you're using dark mode and light mode? <laughs> uh, no. I, okay. I, I typically use the same wallpaper for a really long time. Um, yeah, I, it, it, I'm really picky when it comes to wallpapers. So okay. in the article that I oh, wrote, wow. I, I switched to a bunch of different wallpapers just for the sake of having, you know, screenshots that, that, yeah, with story. a little more variety. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically I will use the same wallpaper for a really long time and then okay. eventually I get tired of it and it kind of takes me a while before I find one that I like. So currently on my iPhone, I, I kind of got tired of the one I was using, but I haven't found one that I'm really happy with. So every time I look at my phone and see the kind of, stand-in wallpaper i'm like oh like i really need to fix that i really need to get a new one but i'm also really picky so yeah i i find ones that i really love uh, that really kind of spark joy as marie kondo would say mm-hmm. and uh and then i keep them for a really long time okay um just a couple thoughts before i move on to my challenge which is surprisingly brief this time um for context, I want to make sure that I say these things here because maybe in the future we'll look back on this episode. Um, there's still a so I really appreciate all the changes to the home screen in iOS 13. There's still a, still a few features, still a few changes that I would like to see happen. Maybe next year, maybe in the future. I would love to be able to place widgets anywhere. I as time has gone on, I I think it's time that. Apple gave iPad users complete freedom over the layout of their home screens. I should be able to take a widget and place it anywhere and, and have a grid form around it or have a more, just have more freedom in the layout of my home screen. I think it's great that for most people, uh, you have widgets on the left, and I think that's a great improvement over the previous version of the home screen. But as a power user, I really would like to go the, you know, the, the the extra uh, Apple to go the extra mile and just give me give me complete freedom give me let me place uh, widgets anywhere. I also would like to have, or rather, would like to see uh, a proper API for third-party developers to build dynamic icons. So the idea that similarly to how the for example the Apple Calendar app as an icon that is dynamic, that shows you the, the, the number of the current day, I imagine that developers could build dynamic icons that have different information embedded within the artwork. I'm thinking of dates, of course, but I'm also thinking of uh, things like weather conditions, for example. Uh, you know, there's, I'm guessing that if Apple were to open up the, the icon, and, uh, to have an icon API, there would be a bunch of... Uh, weird and interesting things that developers could do. Um, of course, I would love to have a native solution to pin files and folders to the home screen, to have bookmarks that do not require uh, JavaScript and scriptable to discover to discover the file system path. Like what I've been able to do with FS bookmarks, 
I believe it's a, it's a clever hack and a clever workaround. This should really be a native thing. It should be a, a single button in the files app that says, add this folder or this file for fast access to your home screen. It should be a native thing. And lastly, I would mention that, oh yes, and also uh, folders inside folders. Like I want to have subfolders. Like why is it so difficult for Apple to do things like, I have an entertainment folder with apps like Plex and YouTube and iTunes on my home screen. But within that folder, I also want to put my games folder. So to have multiple layers of folders. And I know that it's an interface challenge, but, you know, uh, I I think a lot of companies have figured this one out before. Um, Lastly, and this is more on the geeky, advanced side, for shortcuts. I would love if you had an option, uh, you as a user, had an option to run a shortcut from the home screen by tapping the icon but without launching the Shortcuts app. And if there was a way to still support interaction within the context of the home screen, again, without opening Shortcuts. So imagine, for example, if you're running a shortcut on the home screen and you're tapping the icon, but instead of launching Shortcuts, you see progress within the icon. So imagine if like, the icon became slightly dimmed and on top of it was a progress bar. Sort of like when you run a shortcut in the main shortcuts app and you see the rectangle of the shortcut slowly being filled as the shortcut executes. Imagine that, but for the icon on the home screen. And imagine if things like previews or choosing from lists or typing text could just happen from the home screen without actually opening shortcuts. I know that, you know, it's, uh, the system is much more reliable than before and, and opening shortcuts is fine. Uh, the system is so much better than iOS 12, but it still adds that tiny bit of friction that takes you from the home screen to the shortcuts app. I would love if it just happened, all of it, if it all happened from the home screen without ever leaving the home screen. Um, that would be lovely. I, I always get questions from readers like, is it possible to add one of your icons to the home screen but not actually launch shortcuts? And that's not possible. Uh, so maybe in the future, we'll see. Okay, we need to talk about your challenge. Yes. I uh, okay. I get the impression that this wasn't the most fun, but maybe wasn't no. the most torturous either. Kind of like no. a mediocre. It was fine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I'll remind everyone that I challenged you to edit an article. So whether you're your own or uh, another Mac Stories team members, edit an article kind of in an old school way using the smart annotation feature in pages mm. Uh, mm. with the Apple Pencil where you're just kind of marking up with the pencil different things, different changes in the text of the document. So mm-hmm. what was that like for you? So right there, that's, that's the first thing that I didn't know. Smart annotation is a pencil-only feature in pages. Like I was under the impression that smart annotations would be like leaving comments to a document and like you would send somebody an annotated version of the same document, but with like text comments and like arrows and boxes. And like, I was thinking of something like, are you familiar, Ryan, with the app um, Liquid Text? Yes. For iPad. Yeah. Like I was thinking of something like that, that you would be able to con- to add comments and connect those comments back to the text and have like all these different floating boxes moving around. But it's not that. <laughs> it's, it is not like liquid text. So smart annotation in pages is a pencil-only feature, and I'll get to that in a moment. Um, first, I needed to, uh, to get one of our articles into pages. So I, of course, I tried to be a little clever about that. Um, I opened one of our friend John's uh, repos from, from GitHub. Uh, so the folder that he keeps in, in GitHub, I used working copy as a file provider. So what I did, I opened IA Writer, in, which is my text editor, that supports a feature called external locations. And external locations uh, basically allow you to bookmark a, a folder from a different app and make it available for quick access in the sidebar of, of IA Writer. So from there, I added 
the John articles folder uh, from Working Copy, and that gave me access to the latest drafts that John shares via GitHub with me. Uh, from there, I selected is uh, uh, Metafo Story, which is a, a, an, an iPhone app review that it did uh, a couple of days ago on the site, I, which was in Markdown, of course, but IE Writer is one of the few apps that allow you uh, allows you to select a document in Markdown and export it in Microsoft Word format, uh, which is of course compatible with Pages. Um, so I exported from IA Writer as Word, and the Word format was imported into Pages. I only got a warning, of course, that the Cambria font was missing, but I didn't particularly care about that because I use a, a custom font. I so before actually, I should mention in IA Writer. If you need to find a document, there's this excellent quick find feature. Uh, you can use it using um, Command Shift O, uh, and it basically pops up this window in the middle of the screen that lets you type to search, and you can search for anything. You can search for text contained within the body text of a document, or you can search titles, and it works both for your local library as well as external locations. So if you have folders from other apps opened in IA Writer, you can search the contents of those folders as well. It's really great. So about fonts, I of course didn't have the I, I don't even know what the Cambria font is, but I wanted to use the San Francisco uh, as the as the font in pages. I having done a, a fresh install of iPadOS a few months ago, I didn't have the San Francisco font installed anymore. So I thought, well, this is a nice opportunity to open the App Store and search for one of those new font provider apps to install the latest fonts from Apple. And I thought that I could find a font provider app that uses the new font APIs in iOS and iPadOS 13 to take one of my OTF or TTF fonts and install them natively uh, without using the old certificate like custom profile installation uh, technique but I couldn't find any like I could find the Adobe app that contains a selection of Adobe fonts um, font diner which I believe we covered on Mac stories it was perhaps the first app to support the new native font installation but I couldn't find any app that allowed you to load fonts from files and still install them natively. Uh, all of the native uh, font provider apps that I could find only supported their own library of fonts. So I ended up using an old school utility. This one is called iFont, which I used instead of any font, which used to be my favorite. Um, as, just because it was new and I was curious and I was positively impressed, uh, this app iFont does not use Again, the new font provider APIs, but it seems to be doing a better job at, uh, than any font at installing multiple fonts together at once. I was able to install 45 different fonts with a single profile with a, in, in the settings app. Any font usually gives me an error if I try to install more than 10 or 15 fonts to, at once. So that was nice. Anyway. So I had my document opening pages and smart annotation, which was actually your challenge. We finally get to that. To enable smart annotation, you tap the pencil on screen. The first time you do it, uh, a window pops up explaining what smart annotation is. You can choose between two different modes. You can add annotations or you can add drawings. Annotations are basically the, the standard markup tools that you see, for example, when you take a screenshot or when you annotate something in notes, minus the ability to add shapes and typed text, which is a bummer because I, <laughs> I mostly wanted to use those two features. I wanted to add arrows and text, but no, you can only annotate with the pencil. You can change colors, you can change brush size and, and opacity and stuff like that, but no shapes and no text. You can zoom in and out of a pages document as you're using the pencil and you can, again, it's just like annotating a PDF or a screenshot, but it's a live pages doc. Um, drawings are more on the artistic side of things. 
So as you can imagine, I didn't really use them. They do give you greater creative freedom than annotations. You can you have different tools. You have the ability to uh, fill in sections with a background color. Uh, Apple has a web page that explains the differences between annotations and drawings, and they have some really pretty and beautiful examples of what you can do with drawings. And as you can imagine, it's like this essays with beautiful annotations of like tigers and and the cellular structure of the human body the stuff like that beautifully drawn in in pages obviously i'm you know that's behind be way beyond my my skill level um so what i did plain boring annotations i circled a bunch of typos from john's draft left a bunch of comments uh which i had to handwrite because I couldn't just type text using uh, using the annotation feature of Pages. I used the pencil to write my comments. I guess the nicest thing I've seen is that when you do like circle or underline or strike through uh, sp specific words in the Pages document, you see for a fraction of a second like a like a red flash, like like a red highlight that flashes on the selected words. And that means that the annotation is now linked to that selection of text so that when you, if you move it around, like if you go back to the editing mode and you type return or you add a space, the annotation will actually move alongside the text and they will stick next to the text. So that's nice. It's actually a smart annotation feature in that the, an underline or a circle is now linked directly to the typed text so the two will always be together in the document. Um, lastly, I exported. Um, I was able to export as a PDF with annotations. Uh, I was also able to share the document with annotations with you and John using iCloud and the native collaboration feature of Pages. Um, overall, this wasn't really challenging. Uh, it sure did. Um, you know, it helped me learn more about the smart annotation feature of pages still i'm gonna say uh, i was really bummed that it was limited to the pencil i really would like to see a combination of what apple is doing and what liquid text has done once again um liquid text is a you can download it for free it's this amazingly powerful pdf viewer for ipad that i promise is unlike anything you've ever seen on the iPad. The way that the app deals with text and adding annotations, adding comments, dealing with highlights and managing um, like multiple selections of text, it is so unlike anything I've ever seen. And I would like Apple, I would love Apple to do something like that where like you can combine the pencil with standard text selection and have like this mixed hybrid system lets you annotate in a bunch of different ways and everything is linked back together to the original text. That would be lovely. But for now, uh, it just works with the pencil and you can add uh, annotations as standard markup tools or you can draw if you are an artist and like if you happen to be a student and your, and your drawing skills are good enough. You can actually put together some nice looking essays, I, I, I imagine. Otherwise, it's, uh, you know, if you're anything like me and you just need to correct somebody else's work, uh, sure, you can circle things. You can use red ink. I felt like a professor at some point, you know, highlighting John's typos. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't fun. It wasn't terrible. It was okay. Yeah, I agree. It would be really nice if Apple kind of expanded the yeah. feature because what I really appreciate and value about smart annotation is that you don't have to make multiple copies of the same document if you're going to make changes later. So like with Liquid Text, which is a fantastic app, um, you're working with PDFs. And so if you, you know, are working on a document and then you make a PDF version of it to then annotate, if you want to make changes to the actual document in response to those annotations, you're going to have to go back to the original or you're going to have to make a duplicate or you're going to have to do something. Yeah. Um, and so it's not as kind of seamless of an experience whereas with pages you can mark up the the live text and then make changes right then and there and then like you said 
those annotations are actually linked to specific words or you know phrases or w- whatever you underline or circle whatever you do that that little red flash shows you that that annotation is now tied to those words so you can continue to make changes you can you know edit the the actual text itself and keep the annotations where they're supposed to be so i love all of that but then if apple could like you said take inspiration from liquid text to enable more um you know for example maybe they could allow you to um draw a shape and kind of hold yeah. the pencil down longer to to make it a like turn into an actual shape i think uh yes. linea sketch is an app that does that and uh they could make a gesture. So for the times where you want to type out a comment, maybe like a double tap with the pencil could open a text box or something like that. So you could quickly type something out rather than kind of having to find the setting where you add text boxes and and make it more cumbersome than it has to be. There's a lot that could be done. I really like the foundation that Apple's established with Smart Annotation, but it's certainly not all that it could be. And so I'm hopeful they make some changes um, to to evolve it and to make it more powerful. Um, Did you find that in editing that there was anything kind of different about the way that you were viewing the document or viewing the writing um, with kind of handwriting edits versus just typing edits or doing things the way that you normally would? I know some people, I don't know how much I buy into it, but there's, I guess, you research around kind of, the way that different types of interacting with text, whether it's um, interacting with it with your hands, such as with the pencil, versus you know making typed edits, um, mm. that it kind of uses different parts of the brain or something. I don't, I'm, yeah, I don't know at all. But did did it feel different at all to you, or not so much? John, John is one of those people. He he really likes um, reading like. Uh, one of my long-form stories and using the pencil to annotate things. Uh, and I do believe that it does work for a lot of people, like these switching modes. Um, I do believe that it works for a lot of people. Uh, I'm not one of those people. I, If anything, it just makes me feel inefficient. Like I've, I, I want to be able to edit and, and add my thoughts with the same speed and the same uh, process that I used to write and, and edit myself. So I... It just slows me down, and I don't really see the benefit personally. I know that it works for others, and I know that John, for example, likes to. Some I believe he uses Good Notes. Like um, he's done it multiple times in the past. He was reading my iOS reviews or some other story, and he sent me back a PDF with like actual annotations and things circled and underlined and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, I think I kind of agree with you it doesn't really work for me so much but i'm i'm always interested mm-hmm. to hear from people that, that that does make a significant difference for them so all right well we are running a little long so i think mm-hmm. that we need to probably skip our q a today but for listeners for next time please write in with the hashtag ask adapt just send a tweet with that hashtag or you can find our email on our website to contact us with your questions and we look forward to answering them in a future episode. Uh, before we close out today, though, I believe you have a challenge in store for me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and, and and again, it's one of those challenges where I, it's got a specific goal, but I want you to explore and I want you to come back with options. And and I and I think it's a good fit for, um, for the holiday break. Um, I want you, Ryan, to find a use case for external storage connected to your iPad Pro. Um, so find a way that having an external storage device, whether it's an external drive or a USB pen drive or an SD card, whatever it is, something that can be beneficial to you. And in addition to that, I would like you to... Um, report back on your findings in terms of apps that work well with external storage in iPadOS 13. How's that sound? It sounds good. It it is going to be a challenge for me because I currently don't use any external storage with my iPad. So that's that's good. It kind of fits with the spirit of doing new things. Mm -hmm. Um, 
yeah, I I haven't really previously thought that it was necessary, which is why I haven't used any external storage devices. But uh, but hopefully I'll find some ways that it's extremely beneficial. Yeah. And, and like you Be said, creative. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There there are certain apps that work better or worse with external storage devices. So, all right, I will report back in a couple of weeks. Very nice. Okay, well, this has been episode 14 of Adapt. If you'd like to find show notes for this episode, including all the apps that we mentioned, uh, you'll see the artwork for my home screen. Uh, you can find all of that on our website, relay.fm slash adapt slash 14. And if you'd like to follow us online, Federico's on Instagram and Twitter as at Vitici. That's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. You can find me on Twitter as at I-R-Y-A-N T-L-D-R. That's I-R-Y-A-N T-L-D-R. And we are both writing at MacStories.net. Happy holidays, Federico. Until next time, say goodbye. Happy holidays to you too and arrivederci. Bye.